Do you find yourself searching for true crime podcasts that are different from what you're always recommended? Do you want to make a real difference in the cases that you're following? Well, you're a crime junkie. And I'm Ashley Flowers the creator and host of the number one true crime podcast, Crime Junkie. There are hundreds of episodes already available, and each Monday we dive into the details of cases spanning from some of the most infamous to those that you have never heard covered before. Listen to Crime Junkie podcast now, wherever you're listening. Love is more than a day on the calendar or a sign-off on a letter. Love starts with you. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that radiate with your love from every angle. With Pandora's vast selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms, there's endless ways to show what's in your heart. Write a love note to yourself or your best friend with handwritten charms or a personal engraving. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora. Be love. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. No matter where you are in life, when you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Our card this week is Stanley Stosh Stoic Sr., the two of hearts from Rhode Island. October 9, 2015 was supposed to be a normal routine Friday for 80-year-old Stanley. But what unfolded in his home that night was anything but ordinary. And it set in motion a chilling mystery that still stumps detectives all these years later. I'm Ashley Flowers, and this is The Deck. Saturday, October 10th, 2015, was a beautiful fall day in the charming historical town of Cumberland, Rhode Island. But for the town's highway superintendent, Frank Stoic, something in the fall breeze felt off that morning. You see, Frank had a routine of calling up one of his closest relatives, his uncle Stanley, or Stosh, as most people called him. But this particular morning, the phone rang and rang and eventually just went to voicemail. And this happening once was no big deal. Frank knew that his Uncle Stosh often stayed out late on Friday nights with his buddies, and it was still kind of early in the morning the first time he tried him. But by 9 a.m., he tried again and got more of the same. And that's when things felt too weird. 9 a.m. was too late for his uncle to be sleeping in. Frank only lived a few houses down from him, so he decided to do a quick drive-by to see if maybe Stosh was outside, but he wasn't. And nothing really seemed amiss, so he just tried to continue on with his day. But by noon, the feeling of unease was back, so Frank hopped in his car and drove back over to his uncle's place. And this time, there was someone outside. Not his uncle, though. It was one of his uncle's neighbors, a guy named Tyler from across the street. Here's Detective Captain Peter Sweet with the Cumberland PD. Tyler mentioned, hey... I haven't heard from Stosh all day. Uh, I was supposed to do some yard work. I was running late this morning. Have you seen him? Tyler said he'd knocked on the door around 9-ish that morning. 
right around the time Frank had done his drive-by, but Tyler didn't get an answer. Tyler said he knocked again just moments ago, but same thing. This was concerning to say the least, so Frank also went up and rapped on the door a few times himself, but there was no sound coming from the other side of the door. But Frank wasn't ready to do anything drastic just yet. Stosh was 80 years old, set in his ways, and he wasn't particularly a fan of those ways being interrupted. So they waited and tried to respect, you know, the fact that maybe he just wasn't feeling well, didn't want to go in right away. But by six o'clock when nobody was answering, nobody had seen him. That's when he decided it was best to reach out to Skip, make sure Skip hadn't seen him. Skip was one of Stosh's sons who actually lived right behind his dad. So if anyone knew Stosh's whereabouts, it would have been Skip. But Skip told Frank, no, he was at work, so he hadn't seen Stosh. But he said he'd check with his wife, Deb, who was at home, as well as his sister, who lived with them. But when he did, he found out that neither of them had seen Stosh all day. And hearing this only made Frank more worried. He tells Skip, I checked this morning. I checked with the neighbor, Tyler, who was supposed to do some yard work over there. Nobody had talked to him, so Skip said maybe someone should go in and check on him. Frank agreed, so he once again drove over to Stosh's place. This time, he went around to the basement door, which he knew was always left unlocked, and he just let himself inside. Right away, he was met with the scariest sound one can hear in a situation like this. Complete and utter silence. With a lump in his throat, Frank crept up the basement stairs to get to the main level where Stosh spent most of his time. When he made it to the top of the staircase, he looked around and his heart stopped when his gaze landed on the hallway leading to the side door. Sprawled out on the floor, there amongst so much blood was Stosh's lifeless body. Frank booked it outside looking for help and the first person he happened to see was Skip's wife, Deb. Frantically, he ran over to explain what he'd just seen, and he asked her to call the police. Within minutes, authorities arrived, and officers first cleared the home, making sure no one else was present, while EMS personnel determined that there was nothing more they could do for Stosh. He was dead. Now, right away, authorities considered the death suspicious. But I don't have a lot of details around why, other than the blood which we know was present when Frank found his uncle. Nothing else about what was seen by first responders has been shared with the public, and they're still not sharing more even today. But whatever was there, they collected and processed. Some of the physical evidence that was collected were some of the items that Stan used to get around the house. So like his walker, he had like a special set of crutches, and then obviously the scene processing, you know, the collection of some of the swabs and everything like that from the blood and photographs. When our reporter asked Captain Sweet if anything collected from the scene potentially had the killer's DNA on it, he would only say that there's potential. He didn't want to get into it any further. When we asked him if anything was taken from the home by the killer, Sweet said that there were potentially some items taken, but he couldn't divulge what those were. We do know that there were no signs of forced entry at the home. And although the place looked lived in, like dishes in the sink, paperwork on the table, it by no means looked ransacked or obviously burglarized. Captain Sweet told a local station, WPRI, that it honestly appeared like Stosh had walked in the door and likely immediately had been attacked. But when that happened, investigators would need help figuring that out. 
and they were hopeful that a neighborhood canvas would be able to provide that answer. Now, there weren't any neighbors who heard screams or anything like that, but one neighbor in particular was able to pinpoint the last time he saw Stosh. And that's Tyler, the neighbor who was supposed to be doing yard work for him that morning. He told police that he had seen Stosh get home at around 9.30 or 10 p.m. the previous evening, which would have been Friday night. That's when he saw Stosh's truck pull into the driveway. Then he heard his lawn tractor rev up. And that might sound odd, right? Like an 80-year-old man mowing his lawn at 10 p.m., but he wasn't actually mowing. That was just his way of getting around. You see, Stosh had undergone a leg amputation, and for mobility purposes, his typical regimen was pulling up his truck beside his tractor and then getting onto the tractor and riding that to the house. Skip's wife, Deb, confirmed this sighting by Tyler. She told police that she saw the headlights of Stosh's truck pulling into his driveway at around that same time. So that left police a roughly 11-hour window to work with from like 9.30 or 10 p.m. the previous night until presumably around 9 a.m. that morning when he wasn't responding to calls or knocks on his door. But realistically, that time frame is even smaller. Because Captain Sweet told our reporter that he's pretty sure there was no indication Stosh had been to bed yet. Now, I don't know if that means he was still in his going out clothes or if his bed was still made, or maybe it's the fact that the position of his body indicated he was attacked right when he came inside, maybe a combination of it all. But what investigators needed to do next was to reconstruct Stosh's last day alive as best they could. And in talking with family members, they learned where he'd been the night before that kept him out so late. Every Friday, he went to the local American Legion post to hang out at the bar. He was pretty routine in meeting up with, you know, whoever would go out there. There was only a couple of people that would go regularly to the bar part. Police tracked down those friends that he was with, and they said nothing was unusual that evening. They just gabbed the night away. No fights, no disagreements, no strange occurrences around them. Stosh seemed completely normal, and it was just a typical Friday night. Investigators were able to pull surveillance footage from the bar, and it lined up with what they were all saying. They didn't see anything worth noting. So right off the bat, things were moving pretty slowly for the investigation. And it was made even slower because Stosh died over a holiday weekend, which delayed the autopsy until that coming Tuesday, three days after he was found deceased. But if the community and Stosh's family were hoping for answers from the autopsy, they were sorely disappointed because it only raised more questions. Texas Pete is the sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form. And it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. The signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It has been at the center of dinner tables since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas P adds authentic Mexican flavor. And their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. I actually put that dry rub on my chicken last week and loved it. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. 
Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use promo code DECK24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Busy parents have enough on their plates without adding your children's homework to the list as well. IXL is an excellent resource for homework help, which is especially nice for parents who are rusty on school info themselves. And methods have changed over the years, too. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. It's designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. And you get one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. There's a reason why IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S., Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. From studies done in almost every state in the country, the kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. If your child is struggling, this is the smartest investment you can make. A month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring, so now you could get your child the help they need at an affordable price. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And the DECK listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com DECK. Visit IXL.com slash deck to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. The ME ruled Stasha's cause of death as homicidal violence, but the specifics of that violence weren't released. Though there was one thing that authorities weren't vague about, their certainty that the public wasn't in any danger the police chief at the time told a local paper, the Valley Breeze, that Stosh was targeted. Now, what led him to be so certain of this, he wouldn't say. And they're still not saying. To us, it wasn't anything random. And we don't believe someone just followed him home and assaulted him. We felt there was some kind of reason for it. Again, there's some information I just can't really get into. Despite the department's reassurance that the public was safe, the Cumberland community was rocked. I mean, this was a generally safe, quiet town of roughly 30,000 residents just north of Providence. Things like this weren't supposed to happen here. I mean, what does it say about a town that this was in 2015 and Stosh still left his door unlocked without a second thought? The Valley Breeze reported at the time, quote, Murders happen so rarely in Cumberland that the police department's annual report of some 98 types of incidents, from accidents to vehicle fires to larcenies, doesn't even include homicide or murder as a category, end quote. The department only had two other cold case homicides, one from the 80s and one from the 90s. So I'm sure you can imagine how palpable the uneasiness of the town was. Making matters even worse was that Stosh was hardly a nobody. In fact, he'd made a name for himself as a staple of the town, not only was he a hometown hero, having served in the Navy, but the entire Stoic family was well-known and influential in the community. Over the years, Stosh had gained a reputation as the mayor of Indiana Avenue, which is the road that he lived on. I mean, others said he was the unofficial mayor of the entire town. So perhaps it was because Stosh was so well-loved and cherished in the community that the rumor mill was quick to start churning. And many began pointing the finger at those closest to him. There was some theories that possibly a family member was involved. Who that family member was, Captain Sweet won't say. And it's probably with good reason. Because it seems like in that initial investigation, names just got flung around willy-nilly. 
at one point there was probably seven or eight different names that were thrown out by different people. Captain Sweet didn't want to elaborate on the rumors that were going around because he said even back then, police realized that much of what they were being told just didn't add up. Most of them didn't make sense at all. A lot of them just came down to, well, this is what I heard, and there was nothing to back that up. And that was frustrating to hear. We were hearing names of people that weren't even in the area. It just didn't make any sense. And to try to put all those different fires out, it just wasn't worth it. Rumors or not, police were looking at everyone, family included. No one was falling off their persons of interest list without a rock-solid alibi. We wanted to look at everybody, including relatives, including friends, neighbors, people that knew him. So nobody was ruled in or out at that point. We didn't want to rule anybody out. We wanted to talk to everybody, so that's what we tried to do. You know, there's probably 10 houses on the street. We tried to talk to everybody and make sure that no one else had any kind of involvement. We just didn't want to rule anybody out until we could absolutely say definitively that they weren't involved. The list of people who might have had a motive was longer than they expected. There was a couple of neighbors he kind of feuded with, but it wasn't like anything that he couldn't turn around the next day and be friends with them again. There was a couple of neighbors where they would get in a shouting match, like I said, and then the next day they'd be fine. So that, that seemed to be his kind of like ammo, I guess you could say. One of those neighbors had come to the forefront. Now, police are vague about why exactly this particular neighbor emerged as the primary person of interest. But I can imagine it might have had something to do with the guy's past. This man, 56-year-old William Donnelly, was Stosh's next-door neighbor, and he had a pretty lengthy rap sheet. Here's just a taste of what police saw when they looked this guy up. Embezzlement, attempted breaking and entering, stealing a firearm, assault and battery, and escape from a correctional institution. But the icing on the cake was a conviction from 1983 for murder. William had allegedly shot and killed his work supervisor, Hyung Yu Kim, over a dispute that stemmed from Hyung refusing to co-sign a loan for William. According to the Providence Journal, William shot Hyung while in full plain view of two police officers. So naturally, William was charged with and ultimately pleaded guilty to Hyung's murder. He was sentenced to 18 years in prison, but his attorney got his conviction called into question when they found out that they hadn't been informed of a report regarding William's mental competency. The Providence Journal reported that eventually a judge ruled that William was, quote, innocent by reason of insanity. And a team of mental health professionals deemed him, quote, not a danger to the community. So with that, he was a free man by the late 1980s, under the recommendation that his behavior be monitored. It was after being freed that William went on to commit all of those other crimes I mentioned earlier. So when detectives got to speak with William about Stosh and confronted him about their suspicions, he denied any involvement. In fact, he said he wasn't even in the state when Stosh was killed. But according to Captain Sweet, investigators weren't really buying it because something about William's story wasn't adding up to them. Now, what wasn't adding up? Wish I knew. But surprise, surprise, Sweet was guarded about it. He just said that they have information that contradicts what William claimed. And whatever that was, it must have been damning because investigators leaned into William hard after this. They paid a visit to his nephew, Ronald, who actually owned the house that William lived in. 
Ronald was basically the live-in landlord, and William rented the in-law's apartment on the lower floor of the home. Now, because of the shared living space, investigators were hopeful that Ronald would have some answers for them, like maybe he could put William at the house the night of the murder. But he actually couldn't do that. He said they didn't run across each other that night, though that didn't necessarily mean William wasn't there. Again, he had this whole little in-law's apartment to himself. He could have been home without Ronald realizing. Even though Ronald didn't have the answers they were hoping for, investigators thought perhaps the house itself would give them some information. So with Ronald's permission, they did a search. But as far as Captain Sweet knows, they didn't find anything of value there. It was becoming dead end after dead end for this investigation. But it turns out that there had been another investigation happening alongside this one an investigation into William Donnelly on stolen property charges. And that very same month that Stosh was murdered, that second investigation led to William's arrest. I can remember sitting in my high school Spanish class, looking down at the ground, just hoping, desperately hoping, I wouldn't get called on. Because languages have never come easy for me. And even after all those years of studying in school, I felt so insecure. Then as my husband and I started exploring international travel recently, he convinced me that it was time to give language another try. So naturally, we found Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop or can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages, and they have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing your words. As my family continues to explore future travel, I know I'm going to take advantage of that because I want to feel as confident and respectful as possible. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Deck listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com deck. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash deck today. When it comes to your health, there should be no compromises. Don't go back to that doctor who doesn't fully listen to you or rushes through your appointment. Instead, check out ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Search by location, availability, and insurance. No compromises. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. And you don't have to wait forever to get in with someone good. When I looked online, the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score some same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com slash deck and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash deck. ZocDoc.com slash deck. According to detectives, William had broken into a neighbor's home while they were on vacation. And this isn't Stosh, it's a different neighbor. But according to WPRI 12, he allegedly stole jewelry, a gun, and a credit card. Investigators' evidence was pretty airtight on this one. I mean, they caught him on surveillance video at Lowe's buying a chainsaw with the stolen credit card. Now, ultimately, I'm not sure if William was convicted on charges related to actually using the stolen card. 
But I know that as far as the breaking and entering charge, the AG's office ultimately decided to dismiss it. Still, this separate case only made them more suspicious that William could have been involved in Stasha's death. But suspicions only take you so far. And they didn't have what they really needed, proof. And the whole time, William was sticking to his story that he didn't do it and that he was out of state. So investigators finally decided to put that story to the test with a polygraph, which William agreed to. When all was said and done, it did show deception. But there isn't much you can do with that in a court of law. It just made investigators feel like they were looking in the right place. By the time December rolled around, the community was growing restless. Police hadn't outright said that William was their number one suspect, but police weren't outright saying much of anything. I mean, I'm sure you can tell from this episode, they're still very reserved with the information they have and what they're putting out there. One thing they were open about, though, is that they were in regular contact with the AG's office to determine what more they needed to press charges, presumably against William, though they weren't outright naming him. The Cumberland police chief at the time told a local reporter, quote, the burden of proof is a high hurdle and we can't assume anything. There's information we just cannot release. There's a grand jury and possibly a trial. The more information we give out, the more they have to use against us, end quote. But there were others who felt that their reason for not releasing information ran deeper than that. Stosh's niece, for one, told the Valley Breeze that she felt the investigation was botched. Other family members expressed their frustration with the lack of information from police. Now, what exactly the family thought was botched about the investigation, I don't know. I mean, we've seen it so many times before. It is easy for homicide investigations to go wrong in small towns where murders are uncommon. But to be fair to Cumberland police, they knew that they needed assistance from the outset. So they had been working closely with the state police since almost day one. And they had even brought in the FBI at points. But still, even with all the additional support, the investigation was really going nowhere. By the time the one-year anniversary of Stasha's murder rolled around, still with no answers or any more information from police, Stasha's family decided to take action. In October of 2016, they pooled their money together and announced a $10,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest or conviction. The family also put out a statement that read in part, quote, to this day, we remain shocked and devastated that this heinous crime was inflicted upon our father. We are deeply heartbroken and appalled by the senselessness. How anyone could do this to a defenseless 80-year-old man who is handicapped is extremely difficult for us to accept. End quote. Now, even though things in the case seem cold from an outside perspective, police at this point were working hard to prepare a search of a pond at a golf course in Providence about 15 miles away. Now, what exactly they were planning to look for, I don't know. We were trying to make sure that we didn't miss anything just because of William's statements to us about his whereabouts. So we were trying to determine if he did go there, if he left anything behind. So it was more of a chance to make sure we didn't miss anything. So given how vague that is, I don't know if William claimed to have gone to that golf course and they were vetting his alibi, though I don't think that's the case because remember, he told investigators he was out of state the night that Stosh was killed. 
But whatever they were searching for must have been really important to find because you don't just bring out the big guns like divers, state police, and canine search and rescue teams for nothing. But it was just that. Nothing. They didn't find whatever it was they were looking for. And just like that, Stosh's case was stalled. The next notable movement wasn't until 2018, when Cumberland police suddenly announced that they would be moving forward with prosecution very soon. The police chief told the local paper that they were actively putting everything together in preparation for prosecution. But after that announcement that got everyone's hopes up, it was crickets for a whole year. The next anyone heard was in 2019, when they said that they'd be putting Stosh on Rhode Island's new cold case playing cards deck. The decks were going to be distributed to local prisons, and everyone was just kind of crossing their fingers that Stosh's card would end up in the right hands and someone would come forward with information. Just that last piece of the puzzle. But sadly, that was wishful thinking. As far as I know, the card initiative hasn't yielded any leads in this case. And since then, there's been little movement. Not even a prosecution that everyone was told was imminent back in 2018. The chief who made that claim retired in 2022. And Captain Sweet said he's not sure what the chief was referring to when he said that, other than that they've continued to investigate the case. We asked Captain Sweet again if there was anything collected that potentially had the killer's DNA on it. But all he had to say was, quote, I can't really speak to what exactly we have collected and where we're going with it. End quote. In case you haven't noticed, concealment has been a reoccurring theme in this case. And for some, they feel like it's a bit much. In 2021, an anonymous family member told the Valley Breeze, quote, I'm tired of the so-called secrecy around the case. It's just harder on all of us. It's unfair to not at least know how he died. Nothing but pacify this family with repeated rhetoric such as ongoing investigation, end quote. We didn't get an interview with the family for this episode, so I'm not sure what specifically made them feel this way. But clearly, much of the secrecy that bothered Stosh's family is still ongoing today, eight years later. And to a certain extent, I get it. CPT doesn't want to put out anything that could be thrown back at them by a defense team should the case go to trial. And some things they certainly should hold back because it's details only the killer would know, so they can use it to vet any potential confessions. But honestly, I can't help but wonder that if maybe police were a little bit more open about the details of the investigation, perhaps they'd be getting more tips. Because as things stand right now, they clearly need more information. They're missing something. William Donnelly is still a free man. Maybe as he should be. But whether he's the right guy or not, there is one thing for certain. There is a cold-blooded killer still walking the streets. And secrecy or no secrecy, CPD and Captain Sweet are hopeful that this episode will help them catch whoever it was that killed the beloved mayor of Indiana Avenue. I think it's important just to remember that, you know, this is a gentleman who was a veteran that tragically met his end, and it's awful. And I still think about it every day. And it's one of those things, just the more time that goes by, obviously it drifts from the memories of everybody. But I know for me personally, I think about it every day. And if there's more I can do, I want to do it. It's been eight years since Stosh was brutally murdered in his own home. 
in a safe community that he called home for decades. His family deserves answers and Stosh deserves justice. So if you know anything about the murder of Stanley Stosh Stoic Sr. in 2015, please call the Cumberland Police Department at 401-333-2500. You can reach Captain Sweet directly at extension 3005. You can also send an email to crime at cumberlandpolice.com. The Deck is an audio Chuck production with theme music by Ryan Lewis. To learn more about The Deck and our advocacy work, visit thedeckpodcast.com. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. The living room is where you make some of life's most beautiful memories but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant high-performance furniture from Ashley Store is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley Store's high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, comfortable, and easy to clean for more mess and less stress. Shop the life-resistant high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.